but I need you all to know that I literally wrote notes. Um, legitimately wrote notes. Um, I have one, two, three, four pages worth of notes. Oh, jeez. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, To start this all off, though, I'd like to welcome everyone to the Semi-Bookish Podcast. Um, We have the president here. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) shit. Uh-huh. Sure. Sure. But before we get started to actually, like, talking about what we're reading, I feel like we should get some, like, janitorial stuff out of the way. And by janitorial stuff, I mean we should plug some of our events that are coming up. Sure. Tony has, Tony has no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> I mean, I know what you're talking about. I just, kind of. <laughs> so I, I, I think the first thing that everyone should know is that the 29th is coming up, which is Memorial Day, and we'll be closed. So, yes. you know, for our, all our local girlies and boys at home and uh, non-binary children that we have mm-hmm. uh, will be closed. Don't come in. If you do, the doors will be locked and you won't be able to get in anyways. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, at least you took a nice walk outside. I mean, if they try really, really hard, they can get in. Don't give them that information. Okay. Right. Go but, have a grand Memorial Day. Don't break into a library. But for teens, though, on the 25th, which is a Thursday, I believe. Yes. Uh, at 6.30, we're having an end of the school year party. Yes, it's um, a pizza party. It's a pizza party. But you have to register. And there's only one person <laughs> oh, registered my. right now. We have someone registered? There is a person Yay. that it looks like they might be registered. So, you know, if you want to get in before, you know, we get, like, tens of thousands of people signing up for this nice, awesome pizza party, you should sign up. You should. Caveat, um, it is just pineapple. So. Don't. No. Ew. Just keep that As in much mind. as I would love that. That's heathenish. I'm not ordering for it myself. I'm ordering for <laughs> people who want. But uh, to kick off Pride Month, I feel like this is a great way to kick off Pride Month. I agree. Uh, we're having this really cool poet who's local to the area, comes from here, named uh, Nan Ramirez. Yes. They wrote a book called All Women Are Born Wailing, which and is I about. I believe one of our. Some my bookish podcast people knows I, them. I know Nen very, very well. Nen Yay. is one of the best people in the entire world. So please, oh. please, please come to the program and listen to them you read. You don't have to register. And afterwards, um, I don't know how to pronounce uh, one of their names, but they're doing a panel with Inanencia Ramirez Gorski and Nadia Mo- Moda. What? Innocencia. Innocencia. See, I knew no, I would no, butcher no, sh- it. Sh- sh- but they're doing a whole entire panel afterwards talking about writing against stereotypes, which is really cool. So, you know, if you want to, June 3rd from 1 to 2.30 p.m., come out and Saturday, join us. Right? Yep. Yes. And then, you know, summer reading's right around the corner. So if you yes. want to kick it off here or at your local library, be sure to check our website and also, you know, check your local library's websites. Sure. Now, let's actually get into the podcast. <laughs> I'd like to know what everyone is reading and or playing. I know what Tony's playing. You do know what Tony's playing. And I feel like we should just start with that. Going first? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, well, because I'm both on brand and on topic right now, um, <laughs> I am reading the Tim Seeley run of um, Nightwing. Because I just had a whole, like, I don't know, I wanted to read Nightwing stuff because I'm... Oh, that's why. Because I'm watching... Slowly, I'm watching Titans because... You recommended that to me. It's good. I haven't watched yeah, it yet, no, but it's you did good. recommend it It's really me. good because of what they do. If you, if you don't have any familiarity with the Teen Titans, either through comics, which I don't through comics because I just haven't gotten there yet, or through the show, the animated show, which I 
saw and loved, or through Young Justice, which for me is primo. It's the best. Um, right. What they do with those characters, like Starfire and um, Robin and Jason, Nightwing, I mean, all of the characters, all of those Titans characters. They had in the sort of CW dark drama avenue with them, mm-hmm. which sounds like it wouldn't work, but it really works. But it really it's works. It's really interesting to see them play that. Particularly with, like, with Nightwing, it's not, like, I think people are more offended, or people were more offended about Nightwing than they they had any right to be, because it's kind of like, no, the place where Nightwing is as a character is a place we don't really ever get to see him. Yeah. And I feel that he's sort of been unjustly, like, sanctified at that time. Like, it's like, no, that kid would be angry, and... He's not no, a kid anymore. No, so yeah, like, no, he would, he be, would have, fully have a whole he would entire have some thing. issues, right? Like, yeah. So, you know, and also they're going the route of not making Bruce Wayne, like, a hero just because he's also Batman and sort mm-hmm. of, like, questioning all those things. Um, Barbara Gordon has a really nice entry in season two. Um, and so, yeah, Titans is fun, but I wanted to read some Nightwing stuff, so I started reading um, Tim Seeley's run of Nightwing. I really liked the second offering in that, um, Mm -hmm. book two, I guess we'll call it. Um, I thought it was really, really good and very interesting and left off in an incredible cliffhanger. I think that book three hasn't, I'm like halfway through book three, hasn't done anything with that cliffhanger that I find all that interesting but but you know I, I'm just gonna read the whole run and see what I think of it um and then the other so that's fandom number one <laughs> fandom number two the other fandom that I'm that I'm the game that I'm playing right now um obsessively literally is of course Jedi Survivor it is the sequel to Jedi Fallen Order and it is miles better and I loved Fallen Order yes the spider thing deterred me but the game itself like the game mechanics of Fallen Order I loved but the really interesting but Survivor has in terms of game mechanics I think Survivor has improved upon all of the things that you could tell they were experimenting with with Fallen Order like Mm -hmm. they they wanted to make a game that did all the things that that game does but it's Survivor it's like okay we already did that now let's make it better and they did and I I'm flying through it because it's so much fun to play mm-hmm. one of our other coworkers played it in a week so like that's like it's, we're not going to mention it, any names we know who you are but it's that kind of thing like it's that it's it's because it really is like mm-hmm. that it drives itself forward in a really nice um I think it's really interesting way, too so. uh, you're playing on console yeah. The difference, so I know that the reaction in terms of how people have received it right now has gone from, so if you were on PC, you absolutely hated it on the first day because it was so poorly optimized oh, I for heard about PC. That. Yeah. That's why I haven't started playing it yet because I was waiting for the patch that would come and fix those bugs oh, to come out. Like I had sense. pre-ordered it. Yeah. Even though I knew for a fact, like you don't really, you shouldn't pre-order games technically. That's kind of like the rule for PC gaming is you don't pre-order oh, it because it's oh, going to okay. be bad. Because um, usually the, when games are created, they're not really created for, for, the, PC for the PC. They're created for the console. So every time that a, P, a game is cyberpunk. released... Unless it's cyberpunk. <laughs> In which they did the exact opposite That's and it. they paid a lot of money for it. But like, <laughs> then it like just... Because it's so poorly optimized, a lot of PC players would be really like unsatisfied. So they 
as a general rule amongst PC players, you do not pre-order, but I okay. do anyways. Sure. Because I know for a fact, like, yes, there's going to be problems, and I know for a fact that they will fix it on that first day, but considering the wide range of specs and things for PCs, you cannot create a game that is perfect for all of them. Oh, that makes sense. And so oh, I you, never thought of it that way. Like, for example, right now I have a 3080 in my computer mm-hmm. for my graphics card. Right now uh, they're at the 40s, mm-hmm. 4090, 4080, series cards, which are having a whole slew of issues all by themselves right now because there's a part of a whole new generation and then they're starting the new... Um, new series of motherboards and stuff that goes along. So all of that is brand new hardware and all of that plus games coming out for that, but also trying to backtrack and make sure that people who have lower quality computers, I'm not saying that your computer's low quality friends, what I'm saying is like, well, it's, the, it's not the top of the line. Definitionally low quality. <laughs> but like the back end, you have to backtrack and you have to backlog all that. But with right. yeah. uh, Xboxes and Playstations, that hardware is just like fine. Yeah. You know for a fact, like this is the specs of this item this and you know yeah. exactly what's going to be in it, which mm-hmm. I'm kind of jealous of console players about that, but at the same time, at Girl, the end of the console. No, but here's the thing. At the end of the day, all the console exclusive games come over to PC eventually, either oh, by emulator true. or by them actually publishing it. So in the end, I will get it. But like, sometimes I just might have to wait a bit. And there's a whole entire fandom thing that goes along with that. But anyways, Grant, what are you reading and or playing, Mr. President? I've been <laughs> sleeping a lot. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like our president. So you have a... <laughs> <laughs> so you haven't been reading... Um, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm technically reading uh, uh, Mexican Gothic by... <laughs> oh! Yeah, which, which is your staff pick, Yeah, um, I'm and, and, going to traumatize everyone. Who, who, who's the author? I can't remember. Sylvia Moreno-Garcia. Okay. Yes. Right. Yeah. And I, 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 I'm like one chapter in, so I can. Oh, I was gonna say I cannot describe. I'm rereading it. I'm a couple (laughs) chapters in, but everyone that I've talked to so far has absolutely like adored it. Yeah, there's no, there's one book left on the shelf. There's one person who said that they didn't like it, but they were they like different types of books, so I'm not surprised. Um, Oh, I'll explain what the premise is. I, I later. Yeah, yeah. I kind of. Um, I can't remember, but go ahead. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what I'm reading. Uh, I I'm watching. I don't know if I brought it up. I can't remember, but I'm watching Undone, which is on Amazon Prime. Um, oh. It's the next show from blah 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 blah. The guy who made BoJack Horseman. <gasps> Oh, Uh, say less. (laughs) (laughs) Adding it to my wish list now. (laughs) Yeah, it's all it's all rotoscoped, so it's got that very specific look to it. Um, Love that. Okay, you realize that like. The yeah, person who yeah, introduced yeah. me to Rotoscope was the one and only Ralph Bakshi. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'm here for this. Love Rotoscoping. Yeah. yeah. So it, it has a very unique feel, and it's got Bob Odenkirk in it. Um, it's there's there's it's very trippy. There's lots of dimension, time hopping, and stuff. I don't want to spoil it because it's it kind of unravels. Sure. Um, okay. But uh, I recommend it. It's is it is it as like instantly iconic as BoJack Horseman? No, but, that, that, <laughs> but it, will it, it reach that yeah, status maybe one day? Like, who knows? I feel who like knows? you know you I, only I, get one of those in your life, your creative life. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, I wish we could do a BoJack episode. I've been thinking nonstop. Listen, about that show. you okay. have an episode. 
that okay. you have not if, picked if you, yet. If you guys would Honestly, commit, well, right. I mean, you, you've seen I've it. I've already seen BoJack. But yes. if, you, if you How commit many episodes to watching, do you want me to watch? I don't know yet. <laughs> Pick your favorites. Oh Send them to me. They're on Hulu, right? Wait. They're on Netflix. It, Netflix? Oh. Tell me which ones are your favorites. Mm-hmm. Make me watch them. <laughs> Sorry, I, I just now. found out that I have access to the Dungeons and Dragons movie because I already? have a Paramount Plus subscription on Amazon Prime. It's already, it's already on streaming. It's already yeah, on streaming. It's, it's already on streaming. It well, out. and actually today, today, available for streaming, the Super Mario Brothers movie is also yep. available. Oh. And then next month is when the two movies should come out physically. Hmm. I should already know because I, yes, I bought that. them. Even though if you look on Amazon, they'll tell you that... It's December 31st. December 31st. And I was like, like, hello? That's stupid. Why would you do that? But, okay. Aaron. Yes. Uh, I'm your... also reading Mexican Gothic, which yeah. I picked. So, you know, for those who will be in or listen, in, you only go make it because it's way too, like, close to when we release this episode. But we're doing our Staff Picks Book Club, and this month's pick is my pick. And I picked Mexican Gothic. So I'm rereading it briefly because I did read it at once before I enjoyed it yeah I like gothic literature and this scratches that itch because that's basically (laughs) what what it is is. (laughs) so essentially you got your isolated mansions you got your creepy like aristocratic people um you got your brave heroine who comes in and kind of saves everything but everything always has like a supernatural kind of like twist to it sure but not like in like the super like vampires or like hardcore paranormal like hardcore like monsters and fantasy type of supernatural twists yeah it's more like a it's more like your Edgar Allan Poe, like I'm walking down and all of a sudden I just hear a noise and it's causing my brain to have this whole entire moment where mm. I don't know if I'm hearing things or if it's inside and it's my conscious talking to me and it's kind of like a metaphorical way of going like, is it all in my head? Is it all right in front of me? Am I mm-hmm. hallucinating? What's going on? And so kind of this goes into it. It follows uh, Naomi who goes to the countryside um, um, she goes to this giant mansion um, after receiving a letter from her cousin and she goes out there to like help her out after this frantic letter just appears at her mm-hmm. and a whole bunch of stuff happens um, everyone that I've suggested it to surprisingly has liked it which is nice. to me surprising because I know that the style of writing and the fact that it's gothic literature slightly horror-esque yeah. does not itch everyone's scratch <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah. But surprisingly, it has. But then again, everyone will read July's pick, which is Tender of the Flesh, and understand that uh, mine is the precursor to that trauma that you're about to experience. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm playing, and completely within today's topic, I'm playing Genshin Impact right now, again. Yeah. Because I still have to get through the third world country not the third world country, but like the third country in the game to get to the (laughs) current area, which is a Japanese inspired land called Inazuma in the land. So the premise of the game, for those who don't know, is uh, you and your twin are these fallen stars that have like traversed different planets and things and you kind of are the balance. There's like a whole bunch of extra context and lore that goes into it. Mm -hmm. But you guys are leaving and this unknown God comes in and kidnaps your twin. Like you are with your twin, okay. like, and you guys are like always together. Your twin has been kidnapped, and then you get like forced out. Your power is taken from you. You are forced into a random area in this world, mm-hmm. and you have 
none of your powers. You don't know where your twin is. You don't know how to get them back. So you have to somehow connect with all these different countries because they have these things called archons, which is essentially their gods. Oh, um, sure. And you have to connect with all the different archons to figure out, hey, have you seen my sibling? Is there a way that you can help me get them back? Oh. Turns out, spoiler alert, but granted, this thing has been out since COVID. So, you know, everyone who's already, like, in the game has already, like, noted this part. And if you haven't, it's been, like, three years. Get with the program. But um, your sibling has been, uh, was kidnapped and sent, like, 500 years into the past. And you guys are immortal, by the way. So, like, this is fine. You guys are all still the same age. Yeah. Um, and they were raised under in the same world under a completely different regime and, like, a completely different experience. And they are considered the evil characters or the leader of the evil characters of that area. Mm. So, like, you not only have to confront your sibling, but you have to figure out a way that you guys can reunite. But your sibling is saying, you have to go through this journey alone by yourself. Uh, and you don't know what they mean. Well, I do kind of, un there's like a lot. Okay. But you're in Inazuma, okay. which is the third world. You're trying to connect with the Archon, the god. And the god turns around and has this vision hunt decree. So everyone has their special powers are given to them. And mm -hmm. they're called visions. And the god is like, no, I want everything to be eternal. Which means everybody who gets an Archon, I mean a vision, isn't eternal because it not eternally exactly how they want it so they're trying to steal everyone's visions hmm. and so all of a sudden you're there and you're like well i guess we gotta stop it now even though you didn't want to but they were like here you go you can do it anyways so um i'm with the resistance right now a la like star wars-esque type resistance okay and um one of the characters who's a complete side character is with me right now and i absolutely adore them but i know their fate because i've already googled it slash <laughs> i saw it on tiktok three months ago i know what they're like and i'm kind of upset but i'll work through it anyways well you know yeah but, you know, like you on the topic of working through things, um, did you know that the term fandom was originally described for uh, baseball fans? So is that you telling everyone what the topic is? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> is this our third annual fandom? This is the third episode, annual or? fandom cast, like nerd cast. Uh, not really. really. No, it's a third, third, wait, third annual nerd cast, but... Because first time was Star Wars. The well, second time was Star times Wars. was Star Wars. I oh. think we branched off a little bit in the second one because we had... Tim from Tim, Red Raptor. Yeah, from Red Raptor, so we did... But now we're work. expanding it even further, and we're going to be talking about fandoms. Like, So it was a baseball, it was for baseball fans? Yeah. So the original term oh. actually, uh, so fanatic is the fandom specifically comes from describing baseball fans. Okay. However, the term fandom comes from like fanatic, which was a term that sure. was coined. Christian's going to love me for this, by the way, <laughs> um, was coined back in like old English, like back in like the 1500s. And it was mm. described for religious people who oh, were really, yes. really into like their religion. Uh -huh. And that's what it was. Yeah. But yes. it was not used for actual fandom as we use it today. It was used for sports fans. Mm, because they have sort of like a quasi-religious observance of, well, that makes sense. If, you, if, if you've ever talked to anyone who is a baseball fan, it makes sense. I would say baseball fans was, are even more referent than it football was, fans. It was initially coined as a negative term because it was used oh, to... Oh, well, sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, today, uh, technically, if you really, really want to think about it, you, depending on the context in which you use the word, it is still technically negative. Um, I was gonna make a joke about how sports fan, how, uh, uh, how sports fans are dumb. 
and, and like put it together makes fandom. But, but I, I thought that might be a little honestly insane. though, because there was um, I've heard Brandon Sanderson say this a few times on his one of his podcasts, and he actually recently just and I haven't listened to the episode yet, but he recently had an episode called um, "Sports Fans Are Nerds Too," mm-hmm. um, because he's been saying this forever. Like he's he has a position where he feels very strongly about the fact that. They are fans fandom. Fans have a problem. Fans in general have this problem where they will pick on other fans for being fans, um, which is dumb because it's like <laughs> you're a fan of the thing that you love. Yes. So why are you going to pick on someone this else for the thing that they love? This is a call out for every single love? sports fan on the planet. Um, I hate to break it to you, but those teenage girls that you're calling fans, like, kind of negatively when you talk, they talk about their when favorite goes, fandom, congrats, you're also a fandom. But you goes, just you don't know, want to call but yourself goes, But that. it goes the other way around, you know? Star Wars fans, no, they, you don't it, get it no... It does it both ways. don't get no credits for picking on, you know, the sports, the sports people. I was joking. I, yes, no, I, I don't think sports I know. I'm, you know, I'm not a sports ball person. Mm. Neither am I. <laughs> and, I. and I'm okay with that. Um, just like I'm okay with the fact that there are people out there who actually don't care how George Lucas drafted the original trilogy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> as, as long as they realize that... It's amazing that, uh, and superior uh, to all of the things, yes. Well, yeah, no, yeah. As long as sports people realize that us being able to rattle off the names of various alien species and stuff... It's is, just no, like is, them trying to rattle off the names of every single player on their team, the on their fantasy football team. amount of points that they got in said Every game, single like, stat. How on earth do you know thing. that? Yeah, yeah, exactly, I yes. actually I, agree. I was uh, yeah. reading a Bustle article like just before this episode and they were talking about um, like fandom. The term is like fan as in like a fanatic but dumb as in like kingdom. Mm-hmm. Sure. So it's basically a region controlled by fans is how they described it on the Bustle article. Huh. So their domain kind of? Yeah, so it's like yes. your domain which I find really is really interesting. Interesting. So okay, that leads me into a question mm-hmm. for both of you. Oh no. I'm the answer is yes. Three of us, but, I'm terrified. But okay, so in that in that sense, then, mm-hmm. do you think that it is? It's not. Do you think? What do you think about gatekeeping in <laughs> fandom? Because if you take that that. It doesn't mean that Bustle is right, but I'm no, interested. No, no. I, I think they're onto something. The they idea are that, onto something. You know, all kingdoms have gates, mm-hmm. and all gates are guarded. I think there's. I a mean, th- homeland security. <laughs> I think there's a very thin line between quality control and true gatekeeping. Like just keep, you know. What do you mean by that? Like, okay, so... I have words. Okay. I'm curious. No, no, yeah, like, obviously, obviously, a a fandom should allow anybody in. Why? Because it's good to do that. Because... Because the more the merrier. I mean, I mean, you should... Because it has a different bunch of uh, ideas into the fandom, which then you could use to create either creative works, or then you can turn around and you can have discussion on lore and things and get a new perspective on how things run. But... I, I also okay. sympathize yeah. Yeah. with the old guard, so to speak, <laughs> that were, have been there from the beginning, and there there is a certain essence, I guess, that they may want to preserve, but it really depends on the situation. I feel like we have to, sure. if we're going to yeah. talk about, like, gatekeeping or fandom gatekeeping or anything that's like that, or, like, old guard, I feel like we, I mean, I we should not do that right this very second, but, like, there should be 
define like because there's a difference between going oh you had your shirt's a metallica shirt i need you to list every single name which is something that like you see often and turn like or is used as an example oh like, like so you're wearing a metallica like, shirt like i'm so wearing a metallica in order shirt to wear that metallica shirt i need for you to name every album that metallica came out with and what you which like you should, you should know like th- this three is, songs this that's, is that's like my, this, my is, this, is, this is like this is like your normal like i feel like this is like your normal <laughs> you're the part-time night guard is that I, what you're I saying i feel like <laughs> this comes from like the whole women like thing on my end over here it's like I picked up a Metallica shirt from Walmart because I thought it was cool or like a thrift store and it's just Mm -hmm. a giant t-shirt and like let's say I'm just wearing it to the gym or it might be my boyfriend's t-shirt if I have one or my girlfriend's sure yeah I might not know every single thing but as soon as somebody comes up to me and goes like yo you're wearing this shirt I bet you can't even name all these things and I'm like I just wanted to wear the shirt. No, if anybody actually yes. comes up to somebody in, in public so and does that. So there's it's... like a difference between that and then going, oh, you're saying something that you probably shouldn't say within the fandom, which I can get to later. I have examples. I think that's interesting. Um, yeah, I think that's interesting. It's a difference between mm-hmm. that and then turning around and all of a sudden you have a part of your fandom that's gatekeeping a character specifically because they're small and then all of a sudden they're like, well, they're minor coded because they're short, but the character drinks heavily. So you're like, I don't know where you're getting at. So then all of a sudden they call other characters short because they use the same, like, minors because they use the same model. Like, that's a different type of gatekeeping than, like... I thought you said Meyer-coded. Meyer-coded. I was very Absolutely. We go out to Meyer. I thought the same thing, and I was like... No, <laughs> that's an actual example of drama, by the way, in a fandom. It's but something I, yeah. that's actually happened in fandom. But I think that's interesting. Just compare you have to like when you're talking about gatekeeping you really have to like have that distinction of like what do you mean by it because like in fandom like there's a difference between like hard line like gatekeeping and then there's a difference between like turning around and going okay that's your headcanon but please don't police everyone else in the group and try to oust people out just based on your opinion or well that's the thing that's the thing that I find is so interesting about gatekeeping is that you're not I I think it's a double-edged thing it is a very double-edged sword you have the people entering in and I don't care listen I don't care what anybody has to say I like what I like okay all y'all little Batman people who've read all the comics and try to tell me who ba- who my Batman is, be gone with you. I know who my Batman is, and I've known since I was eight years old. Get out my face. I don't want to hear it. You're wrong about Joker too. Next, like I don't like I don't have a problem smacking smack talking gatekeepers. So I'm like, uh-uh, no, 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 boo boo. Batman is an American icon, which means I don't have to read every comic from 1939 all the way until it's actually 1940, but from 1940 all the way till now. And I'm not gonna, because guess what? He's not actually really well written in comics. I keep trying. And it's just not, there's too it's much. It's not there. There's, there's so much glut. There's so much glut within the, just within that particular, I can't say comics in general. I'm not going to say that in general. Um, but within the Batman universe, because it's been since 1940. So that amount of just comic book work 
I also think it's that... like what? So the idea that people can't recognize dross within their own community sometimes. I also think is that annoying. You're on to something because, especially because every single time they change a rider, you essentially just have a new Batman. But of it's course, it's a completely you, different. But that's like, the whole point, and I think like, that's the thing yeah. about fandom that can be really exhausting, is the fact that people don't recognize that the thing that they are a fan of is huge and is not about them it's this is not a personal your personal relationship with and with a, a product or an art form or a piece of media or whatever it is does not define how everyone engages with that thing it just so like yeah it doesn't matter that you've seen every piece of Star Wars content or read every single Star Wars book uh, that ever came out. The point is, you loved what you loved and you hated what you hated and that's okay. And someone else loved exactly all of the things that you hated and hated all the things that you loved. Ah, Speaking of that's what that I mean by gatekeeping. Um, <laughs> I, I promised a certain person upstairs that I would mention this one specific fandom. So, you know, when I mention things that traumatize us in terms of fandom, do you know what traumatizes me? Especially because I was there, the Super Hulak fandom. The, the, I'm sorry, what? Have you ever heard of them? Uh, no. So the Super Hulak fandom is a combination of three different fandoms oh, in one. Okay, so Doctor Who, Doctor Sherlock, Sherlock and... Supernatural. Why is Supernatural involved? <laughs> Because at the time, it was part of the big three of the shows that were very popular on Tumblr at the time. This is like 2012-ish. And it was quite literally a thing where they turned around and it was the fans from all three groups. And they had all come together and they had made one giant conglomerate. And at this time, Harry Potter was (laughs) dying because the last movie had come out maybe like a couple years before that. So they're dying. The fandom for Harry Potter was dying at this point. I mean... Not really, but like in terms of like... <laughs> it wasn't as prominent. Po- prominent. Yeah, that's fair. Like, yeah. yes, you had the Marauders fandom, which is a whole different like monstrosity, by the way, listeners, if you're trying to figure out like what kind of fandoms are I'm curious. out there. The Marauders fandom is a whole entire fandom that's dedicated to Harry Potter's parents and the time frame before oh, that. Whole that whole generation, yeah. That whole generation. Um, and, James and mm-hmm. Sirius. And, and we turn around and we take fans in that fandom turn around and they take everything that is canon and they have thrown it out the window and essentially created their whole entire fanon based on like the characters that were alive at that time in their context they have complete face claims for every single character they have complete storylines for all of these characters it's insane yes grant what does face claim mean face claim oh we want to hear some random terms yeah actually that's a good that's a good question Uh, face claim so um in terms of characters so with the marauders i'm going to use them as a specific example so the marauders we know what they look like when they're older because we have not only descriptions of them in the books but we also have the actual actors that we can use as we a basis. We know what they look like. And some illustrations. Yes. Younger too because Harry has so, flashbacks. So face claims are essentially especially in like more fanon works and fanon is canon for those who do not know, is events that actually occurred in the source material. Yeah. Fanon is fan-created events 
ideas, materials that can be inferred or taken from the source material, but it might not actually be Or it's correct. just made of. Exactly. <laughs> Which is fun. It's fantastic, but face claims are a part of Fanon where we essentially turn around and we take, like, serious black. We want to be able to, especially if we're doing role play or, like, we make gifts or we make storylines with a character, we want to be able to visualize not only from the description that was given to us, but we want to visibly see it. So we look for actors who might look similar to those characters. Mm -hmm. And that is where you get a face claim. So a face claim is an actor that is assigned to a character to be able to Uh, visibly look at something. And this helps when in terms of creating fan works, such as fan art or fan videos, where um, they take that information and they transfer it over um so for example in the marauders fandom it's usually um aaron taylor who's the guy from um um angus thongs and perfect snogging or whatever it is the movie him he's james potter um andrew garfield is remus lupin and then they have ben barnes as Sirius black and this is like forever ben barnes is Sirius black that's yeah absolutely and they've actually um embraced that um i think right now we have lewis capaldi is uh peter pettigrew as the face claim and it's that makes no No, sense whatsoever it has changed over the years it has changed like actors over the years but the three main ones that have stayed are aaron taylor but peter capaldi is like older than timothy spall lewis capaldi the singer. Louis Capaldi. Okay. So right. many names I don't know. Um, and they, I was like, with a Peter And then um, okay. the actress for Lily has changed over the years. I don't know who it is right now, but at one point it was Karen Gillian. Um, the redhead? Yeah, the redhead from Doctor Who. Yeah. Oh. And it used to be her. For Lily? At one point it was. No. And then they turned around and they changed it to somebody else and then they changed it to somebody else. So to be honest, I have no idea who her current face claim is. <laughs> but like they change face claims every once in a while. Um, and they bring characters who might have been minorly mentioned in either the Wikipedia, the lore, the Pottermore lore, just in general, who basically you never really see in the Potter books, but they exist mm-hmm. and they have made a whole entire thing based solely on that. Um, but Super Hulak at that time, yes, bringing that back around, was the conglomeration or the uh, consolidation of the Doctor Who fandom, the Sherlock fandom, and the Supernatural fandom. All three of which during the 2012, 2011, 2010 era of Tumblr 2013 um, were really insanely popular. And yeah. so they turned around and they created their whole entire, a whole entire fanon based on those three pieces of works is it a crossover they like crossed it over in the same universe yeah existing well, you in know, the same universe that makes sense but it you, made because them you have terrifying <laughs> it made them it made them completely and utterly terrifying because they were the biggest thing on the internet at that time in terms of fandoms that's interesting um to the point where they crashed the website of tumblr and twitter um on an april 1st because they literally took a picture of Misha Collins from Supernatural and posted it everywhere onto everything. They, they crashed Twitter? Yeah. 
Like, Granted, listen, they're not the first people to crash Twitter. Uh, K-pop mm-hmm. fandom also crashed Twitter. I which mean, na- na- nowadays fandom, that wouldn't be so surprising. However, K-pop fandom is a whole other monster uh, all within itself because it's not K-pop fandom is the genre. But there's multiple things that go on within that because there's well, different sure. subgroups because each each band each group has their own fandom specifically attended to them so oh, you sure. always have sure. infighting and it yeah. never stops okay. however they do do fun and great things like the time that um the uh, there was a certain uh rally for a um red uh president at the time <laughs> and they turned around and they um not really getting political but this is hilarious in my opinion they turned around and uh requested tickets and made them believe that there were about 10,000 people that going were going to attend the rally and only about 2,000 people showed up. <laughs> That's funny. Okay, so question. I have answers. Um, As your local fandom human. What is everyone's top fandom? Like the thing to which they feel they belong. I was about to be like, are you going like, to ask me my OTP because I don't have one? No. What's OTP? One True Perry. <laughs> So many, there's so many I will, I will okay. expand upon that after no. I answer this so, question. I know, I I know what one true pairing is, but no, like <laughs> like what's your what's your biggest fandom? Like the thing that you just oh no would attach yourself to over and above any other fandom. Oh no, I feel like this is an unfair question. It to ask is Grant. It, it, this <laughs> is mean, an unfair I, question I, to I mean, ask me. I've said it before. I've never really involved myself in the inner workings of any fandom. I, surpri- really? I, I surprisingly enough, I don't talk. I don't talk any, you know, any better online than I do in person. So, <laughs> so you're not like a person. You would you consider yourself not a part of any fandom? Then I like stuff, but I don't. I don't interact with other fans or anything. I, I, I don't. Yeah. yeah I don't yeah. participate in the democracy. I guess. Okay. No, <laughs> some democracy. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, that's interesting. Okay. Okay, Aaron. Um, <laughs> would, you, yeah. would you like to answer, or would you? Yeah, like I'll to answer. answer? Um, so when I was younger, you would have immediately put me in the Harry Potter fandom. Like that was my shtick. Mm-hmm. Um, when I got older, or like around two thousand nine ish, that immediately switched over to the K-pop fandom. Sure. Um, so for listeners at home, I've been a K-pop fan since like. I was 14, so before it was even particularly popular over here, which I have a whole entire timeline I can give to people about the timeline of that. So, K-pop over manga or anime? (sighs) To be honest, um, (laughs) also within that time period is Naruto. I was going to say. No, no, I'm getting there. Um, It's just... If we're going with today's standards, K-pop is still kind of my thing. Like I'm less involved in fandom politics at this point because I've noticed, um, and this is something I can touch about later on a different episode, but there's a lot of toxicity that's being just kind of dealt around right now. And a lot of that can be traced back to a new wave of purity culture that's kind of coming through and it's going through fandoms right now. Which is surprising. Interesting. Um, it's I could write a whole entire paper. It's kind of funky where basically instead of just letting people like do write what they want and then like if you don't like it, you don't read it, you just ignore them or you just sure. kind of go, Hey, that's not really cool. 
we're not going to talk to you anymore and just kind of ousting them. What instead comes in, and I don't know if this is like a social media, like Twitter changed everything kind of situation, but like all of a sudden now, like if there's something that's wrong with the fandom or there's something wrong or somebody does something wrong, it all becomes now a dog pile onto somebody and attacks them for that thing. Interesting. Um, you yeah. can kind of, if you really want to, you could trace this back to uh, Steven Universe era of things, which is a great show, by the way. I've never seen it. I've heard um, it's good. The show is great. Fandom, absolutely toxic. Do not want to deal with them whatsoever. Really? That's so what, interesting. At one point, um, there was a fandom artist who was, they were quite young. They were like high school age, and I was in college when I witnessed I think I heard this. About this. And they had drawn one of the characters who, who is canically kind of chubby. Sure. Um, and they drew her in their own style, which was a little bit skinnier than what's being portrayed on the television screen, sure. which is fine. Yeah. But instead of people just kind of ignoring it or going like, hey, we don't appreciate that you've done this, but we'll let you like post it for now because this is your work of art. This is your intellectual property at this point. They dogpiled and sent so much hate and harassed the person that she tried to unalive herself. Yeah. And so this is kind of something that has been brought into a lot of different fandoms where they're doing that or they're really just hounding on creators of works to do things their way and you see a lot of this in shipping wars now where instead of like people just going at each other for shipping which is something that like has been around for like ages oh yeah they now just kind of like attack the creator of the piece like for example one of the most uh popular pairings in my hero academia is um izuku and katsuki who Mm -hmm. are two of the boy main boy characters of the whole entire thing yeah there is no canon relationship between any of the characters in this whole entire manga like this is uh, like a shonen. there is no right. romance like you've read a little bit of it or like at least looked into it yeah there's no canon romance in this at all we don't even have canon um like sexualities for these characters at all and by no, the way they're kind of typical teen- for, for that kind of comic uh, uh, it depends. <laughs> it depends on which one you're talking okay. about. But like, yeah. there's, so far, there's no canon like sexuality. But then again, these guys are teens and they're 14. So like, I'm not really trying to assign anything on them in the first place. But that's the main pairing that everyone seems to. Which I think may be a shortcoming on the writer. But that's it is neither a, here nor there. Um, he's already claimed he doesn't do romance very well. Oh, well, it's okay. Kind of well, in that case, I applaud him for but just people, avoiding that. <laughs> um, then turned around and attacked him because... Uh, he hasn't really specified if those two characters are endgame together and kind the of the creator yeah they attacked the creator that see that that boggles the mind no no they do this all the time and this is like a no. current thing now and i don't understand it's, and i feel like it am i old now no, am i too old for this old, it's as old as the day is long and i'll tell you why i know this i'm a star wars fan <laughs> We are the OG. Let's attack the creator. Because, <laughs> but it's like it's even worse now because now George, we have Twitter and you just at them on Twitter and they just like I mean, we're sending him all this stuff and I'm like, hello, this I mean, is a human. Yeah, but I also think that I I, th- yeah. I think it's gotten worse though, Tony. No, no, yeah, specifically, I think it's gotten worse. Yeah, I think we're in a climate where there's almost no room for uncertainty or ambiguity or. You need to spell. And these the thing out. is, I really enjoyed that part about fandom is the fact that we have. So you know, more positive note here as we get closer to the end of this episode. More, one of the more positive things that I like about fandom in general is the fact that 
when things are left like ambiguous, especially in um, like written works or like stuff you see on TV or in comics or just in general, it's got all this different like ambiguity that you can latch on to as a fan fiction writer or a fan fiction or a fan artist or a fan video creator and you can grab onto that and go, oh, maybe well, maybe they did this and you can create a fan work this way, but somebody else can grab that exact same thing and go, well, maybe they did it another way. And you can find fan created works, especially in Naruto Harry Potter era, where they literally have like, well, what if instead of him being taken by Dumbledore and staying with the Dursleys, what if Harry turned around and after he was brought to Diagon Alley by Hagrid, the goblins stopped him and went, hey, we ha- you have a lot of money because, you know, supposedly the Potters are rich. You have a lot of money. We need to talk to you about your bank statements that we've been trying to get a hold of you for, like, the past, like, year and a half as you're getting closer to school age. And then Harry going, oh, well, I have no idea what you're talking about. And then setting a chain of motion, a completely separate set of events. Or, like, in Naruto, if, like, instead of Sasuke leaving, like, in the middle of the thing, what if they had caught him? Mm -hmm. Like, what type of events would have occurred after they had caught him? Like, what type of skills would he have learned? Right, which, of course, is where fan fiction comes from. Yeah, that's where fan fiction comes in. Um... I think like that's the beauty of fandom, along with the fact that it brings people together who enjoy a material and enjoy discussing or sharing i like ideas about it. Like yeah, yeah. I mean, I I, I kind of feel protective about as, fandom in general, like as somebody who was so ingrained in it during my formative years. But at the same time, I can understand where like negative connotations come from. I think that it is. I think that the toxicity that occurs in fandoms is overblown. I think that we give it way too much credit, um, and I think and I think that of people who allow communities of this type to and I think people who allow communities of this type to sway them so much that they're willing to ruin their own lives based on a group of people saying horrible things to you based on something that you've done to contribute to the fandom, I find that to be really, really suspect because, and maybe it's because I, as a human being, love my fandoms apart from everyone else. Like, I don't really care what, you know what I mean? I I have a question. Sure. Uh, It's a loaded question, but do you think that whole entire, like, toxicity can be attributed to the fact that we're more, I want to say, I don't really want to say it the way that I'm about to say it, but I will anyways. Mm. Do you think we can attribute it to the fact that over the course of the years, especially with our dependence on technology now and social media, Mm -hmm. we can't really tell like sarcasm or we're really attached and addicted to the dopamine hits from social media in general that makes us a little bit more sensitive to the fact that a lot of people are saying this. Whereas before, Mm. if it's just written like out in a letter that I'm mailing out to George Lucas, like he can literally just go, oh, okay, and just like, toss it in the trash can but if it's like on social media it's there for a long time with digital footprints meaning as soon as you open it you just see like barrage after barrage after barrage where i think it's simpler than that i think it has to do with the fact that because of the ways Mm -hmm. that technology has increased and because of how accessible it all is it's much easier for someone who doesn't have very much 
to have a social media footprint because you don't all you need is to know where the library is do you think it's they're not going to charge you for your twitter account do you think they're it's not going to charge um, you for a forum account they're not no. going to charge so if you have access to the source material itself mm-hmm. and then you have access to a computer, computer with or internet, the internet you could literally spend gobs of your time you could spend all of your time participating within a fandom and that's not how fandoms used to be like when star trek and star wars and other fandoms were first starting those things science fiction fantasy uh, fantasy conventions those things happened at convention halls convention spaces so you had to have a certain amount of either willingness mm-hmm. or money to make it to those places. You had to have a certain kind of privilege. You had to have certain kinds of jobs to be able to have the free time and the ability to go for... It was even like that with anime conventions like in the early 2000s. I think... Yeah. Do you think maybe, especially like with the pandemic and the fact that we were all inside and all we really had was social media, do you think that's kind of made it worse with the fact that we've now been overly reliant on it because that's the only social interaction we had for about a year now? No, I mean, I still think that, I think that that's the, I think these are the excuses that people want to make for the ways in which our generation Yeah, no, and, and I just, I just want to throw those questions out of, there into the sort ether. Sort of respond to the world, but the world has always had these levels of toxicity in them. I think just and, now it's been just more I mean, brought to the forefront you, yeah, and we're more aware that it's occurring well, because we can see it more often. Yeah. Now. And also, I mean, you see this with sports fans all the time. They they, lose, they had, win and they're going to turn over a car I mean, and set it on you fire. See this, you see this with rock and roll fans. Woodstock was notorious for having an, a huge, like, basically riot mosh pit thing happen. I mean, more so Woodstock 99. Yeah, exactly. Well, precisely. Exactly. So the point is that this happens in as many fandoms as you can point out. The reason it feels more toxic now is because you have... Fandoms are massive now in a way that they weren't before because you don't have to have a life in order to... No, you really don't. Like, you don't have to have a life outside of the thing that you're doing in order to... In a, a thing that you're a fan of in order to participate. Whereas mm-hmm. it used to be, in order to be a real baseball fan, you had to have access to ESPN, you had to access to a stadium. You had to, You had to really have a job and some money and do something mm-hmm. and people who can maintain that kind of professionalism mm-hmm. but also be a football a football baseball fan star wars fan whatever on the side they tend to be more balanced because you have to be in order to work in a professional capacity we're seeing a lot of unbalance from a lot of people who lack balance because they don't have anything else going on and of course they're going to throw off it. Of course they're going to be, be hurt when some when their dog piled and not know how to deal with it. And so of course the only way to deal with it is getting rid of themselves as the planet. I'm not I'm not criticizing any anyone. Who, no, that makes sense. Uh, I mean, maybe I am a little bit, but I'm just saying that like <laughs> I feel that the reason I don't feel so, like I have to care, like for example, when Gotham Knights came out. No. I bought Gotham Knights for myself because I had played all of the other Arkham games. I'm a huge Batman fan. I'm a huge Arkham game fan. And so I was like, all right, I want to see what they do. And plus, they're fulfilling my dream. I want to play all of these characters. And they killed Batman in the prologue. So I was like, done. Absolutely. This is my thing. I read an an IGN (laughs) review. I read all the reviews before it came out. It was this, like, huge nine-page bad word I don't I want to say and it was just like <laughs> bad mouthing the game for all the reasons that no one who wants to play this game would ever care about they're like and I'm the just like, items the gear 
the gear inventory system looks like a mobile game, and I'm like, great. Yeah, right. I don't care. Like, right. So does and it they're function? Like, they're like the story's not all that inventive, and I was like, neither so? is Arkham City. Like you play it through <laughs> once, and you're like, oh, that's it. Okay, and it, no one cares. Neither is Skyrim, and Skyrim is one of the most successful games of all time. I literally the bought story Gotham is stupid. <laughs> so, I literally like, bought Gotham Knights because I watched my friends play. Initially, yeah. I was not interested in Gotham Knights whatsoever. I right. watched them get it pre-ordered and I watched them play like the first few nights of the game. Yeah. Like I thought yeah. it was cool. I thought I could learn how to play it very right. easily and I was like, okay, sure, why not? Right. And you don't have to like become a Batman fan in order to enjoy no. it. Or even as a Batman fan, I don't have to critique it on the same level that I would critique a comic or, you know, the most recent Batman movie. I don't, Those are all I don't three have different... to know a lot about Batman to be able to play this game, which is true yeah. because I don't know a lot about Batman which anyway. Is the whole, which is the whole point. Like, that to me is that's the whole joy of, of being a part of a fandom is that you get to... Experience oh, no. these things across different platforms, and the bigger fandom is, the more pieces of media you get. Like the fact that we have this really cool Star Wars game comes from the fact that Star Wars games have been around for a long time, and there's a Star Wars game fandom, and there's a Star Wars movie fandom. I'm gonna and they're not interject and say I hate you for over. giving me this specific okay, character. Okay, so yes, all right, we're gonna do a death match. Oh, death Who do you have? I have Spider Man. Yeah. Grant has Spider Man, and. Uh, Aaron has Severus Snape. And Spider-Man has for one minute. Go. Spider-Man has the benefit of mobility. Yeah, but I definitely say that. Here's the thing: hmm. unless Spider-Man can take out the wand really, really fast, <laughs> Severus Snape has the option of just kind of going like Levicorpus and like levitating him from the ceiling and be like, "Okay, goodbye." That's true. Um, can hit? Uh, do we know how? strong the web is could the web if he's being levitated could the web pull him out of the it depends um, it depends on Levicorpus and where he uh, so here's the thing about Levicorpus in general okay. is Levicorpus can't do a person Levicorpus does objects so for example I could be levitating his web shooter by his hand and then just then, then Peter Parker stripping down that does depend on the Spider-Man that, that you does, use but either way you could get the um, because if Spider-Man because you can levitate somebody by their clothes which is the option that the other option that you have. So if he doesn't have the web shooter, all a Tobey Maguire Spider Man, if you lift him up that way. I still don't see how Snape wins the battle by levitating Spider Man, who or, by the way, has or, been levitated. Or, 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 but listen, 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 listen. Because if you drop. I'm going to go with Severus Snape's actual creation in the world, which is Sectum Sempra. Yes. Sectum Sempra. Wait, what's that? Sectum Sempra is where it cuts spell. you open and you bleed to the unalive. Yeah, but here's the, here's the thing about Spider Man. Yeah, Spider-Man has automatic healing. So does he? It depends on how fast the healing yeah. is for Spider-Man in that moment. So it it's depends not, on which. I mean, Spider-Man. it's not Wolverine fast, but it's it's not, not Deadpool fast either. It's not. Are we talking like Chinese hundred cuts torture type thing? Where you're have you to... not? Seen... Yeah, it's a it's giant, something like giant that. Yeah. So gash. basically, it just giant like gash. Gash, like gashes all over. I mean, it just starts cutting gashes all over your. All over you, mm-hmm. yeah. um, which okay. Or if he really wants to, one of the unforgivable forgivable curses. One of the forgivable. Unforgivable. Well, Snape never uses to. them. Yeah, he does. Well, he does. He, he killed. A, he killed a he uses headmaster. AK. He uses AK oh, on the headmaster. Okay. Okay. Yeah, but that was planned. 
So that was that was planned. You, so, I mean, that's, that's, you, that you, you said it was a death match. Capable. I did say it was a death, it match. A death it, match, which means he is okay. capable. Okay. So right, if he fair. catches him off guard, and I, if he's strong enough, we don't know if he's strong enough for wandless magic. But if he was. Or if he has a potion. Technically, because I mean, Spider-Man, Spider-Man can get rid of the wand pretty quickly, I'd say. But if he, he also has, has a potion, because fast. he is a potions master, so if he already knew, knows that Spider-Man is there, he could already have stuff that's prepared. I it's up to Tony. think that Snape would have a hard time with Spider-Man. I know he would, but I still had to fight no, it anyway. I mean, I, I, I think it would be an interesting match. I don't know how easy it Peter would be. Peter Parker. Because, well, yeah. Because <laughs> I'm just saying, if Snape doesn't work fast enough and Spider-Man gets up close, all it takes is one good one good punch. I mean, you know. <laughs> or even just one good web webbing. And it's just like, you web the wand hand, you web the rest of the guy, and it's like, Nice seeing you. I'm going to have lunch. I do have to say, the next episode we have for fandom, I feel like I, we should really just talk about Dead Dove, Do Not Eat, so I can traumatize everyone further. Dead Dove. Dead Dove, Do Not Eat.